You have one new message. Harold, hey, it's Mags. Steven and I are taking the kids to visit his folks in Havana this year, so we won't be able to use the company timeshare. But extended family can use it with permission, so Steven and I have sent you our passcodes. Uh, they're only valid for two weeks, so visit the cabin anytime between then. Alright, I'll talk to you later. Love you, big bro. This happened to me about three years ago. I pulled off my first heist in over two years. Yeah, a slow period for me, I know. But I needed some time to clear my head. So when the opportunity presented itself, I took it. I'm not a huge outdoors person. I know my way around, sure, but I prefer city life. No green acres for me. Snohomish is this very rural area of Seattle. Lots of farmlands, lots of woods. One of the last little untouched places. So, I guess it would make sense that a small single A would buy a large plot of land and decide to make a quaint little retreat for its low to mid-management types. Good afternoon. Anything I can help you find? I'm staying the weekend at a cabin. It's, uh, it says the Noratech Retreat. Uh, my grid guide is being less than helpful today. Can you point me in the right direction? Oh yeah, you're just going to head east on the road out front, about uh, three clicks. Make a raid onto Aberdeen, uh, then just follow that road till you see the sign. It's a big sign, you can't miss it. Thank you. You're welcome. Got everything you need? News is saying a bad weather system's moving in. Might dump a whole lot of snow on us. A little early for that kind of weather. Oh, you never know nowadays. Yeah, I'll pick up a few things then. I shopped around, picking up the few things I would want if I happened to get stuck in this cabin for more than two days. Canned food, extra snacks, booze. Maybe more booze than necessary. Batteries, you get the picture. Even picked up some magazines and a couple of old trids in case I just got bored with my isolation that I wanted to watch Jason and the Avengers versus the Kaiju from Planet X for the fifth time. Don't judge me. <laughs> Punks. I shouldn't be surprised. I am still in Seattle after all. I don't really pay them any mind. Their chains rattle, their boots make heavy thuds, but they aren't really a threat. Just punks craving attention. I finish gathering my things and head towards the counter. I passed by an aisle where two of these punks spoke to each other in hushed voices. I didn't hear everything, but I could make out the phrases, yeah, we can take him, and it's just the kid in a suit. They won't fight. 
Now, these punks went from non-existent threat to number three on my Drek list. It, uh, is that all for you today, sir? This'll be it. Oh, and a cart and a camel. Royal blend. The shopkeep was nervous. Most people would be with these punks around. They look intimidating, but most of the time it was just a desire to rebel against the established order. And if it stayed in that area, fine. Hey, suit! I don't respond, but I prepare myself for what happens next. Hey, asshole! I'm talking at you. I'll be right with you, gentlemen. No, you look at me when I'm talking to you. That's when the punk touched my shoulder and spun me around. Ugh. Quickly, I draw my pistol and sidehammer the magazine well into the punk's teeth. In that instant, he's dazed, his brain failing to register that most of his front teeth were cracked by the attack. I whip my left leg behind his narrow stance and use my larger mass to fall on top of him as he goes backwards. As he hits the ground, I put my left hand behind his head and ram the barrel of my Predator 5 into his mouth, shattering the broken front teeth. His boys start to raise a fuss, but I shut it down quickly. Hey! If you boys don't want to see how little gray matter your homeboy has, you're gonna shut your mouths and walk out of here. Otherwise, I'm gonna ventilate your Ome. And then, I'm gonna ventilate all you. Now you listen here. I'm trying to have a vacation and you are making that very difficult. So you look at me when I'm talking to you. Leave. I don't care where you go, but I don't want to see you again. And if we do meet again, you better be on your best behavior. The punk nodded, unable to speak with the barrel of the pistol shoved in his mouth. I stood up, and he crawled, and then stumbled out of the store. Uh, how much do I owe you? What? Oh, uh, take it. It's on the house. Thank you. You are welcome. I arrived at the cabin a little later, unpacked my things, and turned on the radio. I set about making myself some dinner. Canned beans and fried spam. First night wasn't all that bad. A little more quiet than I'm used to, but overall it was okay. I woke up the next day to find that it was indeed beginning to snow. As I cooked myself a hearty breakfast of bacon and eggs, I saw that this wasn't the only cabin on the property. About 200 yards east on a hill was another cabin similar to mine. I took a pair of binoculars that had been on a coffee table next to an ancient Birds of North America guide and saw a family out enjoying the snow. If I was lucky, they would either not notice me or just leave me be. Turns out I'm lucky, but not that lucky. Later that afternoon, I was out chopping wood because the previous occupants hadn't bothered to do that before they left when a car pulled up next to mine. It was the same blue SUV I'd seen at the next cabin over. Hi! The man was an elf. He'd wore the same 
uniform luxury wear my brother-in-law did. Most likely, they worked for the same company. I put on my best smile and hid the annoyance of being disturbed. Hello. I'm David, David Thornburg. My family and I are staying in the next cabin over. Uh, you must be Harold? Stephen mentioned that his brother-in-law would be spending some time here. Yeah, they went to Havana to see his parents. Told me I should use their time. He said that. Well, the missus noticed you were out here chopping wood, and that only means that Eric didn't chop any before he left. I swear that guy sometimes, but I figured in the spirit of being neighborly, I'd bring you some of the extra that we have. That's awful nice of you, but won't you be needing that? Supposed to be getting pretty bad system coming in. (laughs) Nonsense. We've got more than enough. Well, if you insist, thank you. The man was friendly enough. At least he didn't bring the whole family along. We unloaded the wood and then said farewells. I had apparently become so relaxed that I dozed off while reading. Guess chopping all that wood had worn me out more than I thought. I turned the radio off and got ready to head to the bedroom when I heard it. I froze for a moment, holding my breath without thinking about it. I listened. Silence. Only the popping of the fire. I exhaled slowly and then it came again, a little more clearly, but still very distant. I turned off all the lights and tossed the bucket of sand by the fireplace onto it, dousing the orange glow. I grabbed my shotgun from the bedroom and put on my glasses. I activated the night vision function, and the interior of the cabin was bathed in shades of green. I stayed out of clear sight of the windows and moved around the cabin, stopping and listening for noise. When I entered the kitchen, I peeked out the window over the stove and saw the lights to the Thornburg cabin were on. But there was something else, something glowing brightly in the yard in front of the cabin. I looked over the top of my glasses and saw an orange glow of a car fire. There were figures moving about near the house. I couldn't ID them, but it was more than the four members of the Thornburg family. The snow was starting to fall more heavily, and I knew that soon I wouldn't be able to see the cabin. Without thinking, I went to the front door and put on my coat and grabbed the keys to my car. I wouldn't make it to the cabin in time on foot, so taking the car was the best option. I stopped a little ways away from the cabin. Having approached with my lights off, I hoped to get the drop on whoever was burning their car. I got out and cut through a patch of trees. Twenty yards from their cabin, I reached the tree line and stopped. It was silent, aside from the sound of the burning car. Figures I had seen were gone. But now that I got a better look at the cabin, I saw the windows were smashed. The front door was covered in what I hoped was red paint. There was a symbol that, if you happen to know anything about the Christian belief system, Good Christians are taught to fear and loathe in equal measure. An upside-down five-pointed star, and around the star a circle with strange runes written on the door. Part of me knew it wasn't paint. I waited a few moments before deciding to call out. 
David? It's Harold. You in there? Mrs. Thornburg. Are you and the children inside? This is your neighbor. This is stupid. This is dumb. This is very, very dumb. As I reached the door, I knew it wasn't paint. All I could do was hope it wasn't the blood of David or his wife, or their children. The door was unlatched and cracked open, letting a sliver of light from inside shine out. Carefully, I pushed the door open using my left hand, resting the shotgun on my left forearm. The interior of the cabin was a wreck. Chairs smashed, tables overturned or broken, blood everywhere. Over the mantle of the fireplace was David. Or at least the upper half of David. Meat hooks penetrated his arms at the wrist, and two chains wrapped around the antlers of trophies kept him aloft. His head was on the floor beneath his upper body, his entrails out and draped around it like a freakish shrine. His lower half was nowhere to be found. I continued my sweep of the cabin, but I wasn't looking forward to discovering the fates of the others. I found Mrs. Thornburg, similarly mutilated in the bedroom, but I didn't find any sign of the kids. After checking all the rooms, I stopped and tried to look around. Maybe the kids were hiding. I listened, but when I heard nothing, I started looking for things like an attic or basement I had missed. That's when I spotted it. A hinge, poorly hidden, but easily missed on the floor of the closet. There was some dust in the shape of a box near it, suggesting that something had been resting on top of it for a long time. I felt around the edge of the trap door, and a little latch revealed itself. I set down my shotgun and drew my pistol, hoping that whoever was down here it was just the kids. Hi, I'm your neighbor. I'm gonna get you two out of here. today? Oh, Trek, you two stay there. You don't make a noise. Do you have a comlink? The oldest of the two shook their head. Here, take mine. Did your parents tell you the emergency number to call? Good. You call them and you tell them to get here most ricky tick. Yeah, what word would that be? If you're talking about the bird, then yeah, I've heard it. A little played out, don't you think? Ha! So someone yet lives, and he's a joker to boot. I like people with a fire in them. Miss Thornburg. She had a fire in her. Fought the whole time. Her defiance at the inevitable was exquisite. I tried to put myself in the best position I could, but chances are they had the cabin surrounded. And I couldn't see this guy talking. He was either behind the burning SUV, or... Ah, oh, Trek. The thought only now crossed my mind. He might be in the trees. Damn it. He could have been right beside me, and I didn't even know it. Why don't you come on out? 
I'm sure we can discuss this like civilized men. We don't have to kill you tonight. You don't lie, well. Yeah, you a big goddamn man, ain't you? Doing all your Satan dreck to innocent people. I've met and come to know of you practicing Satanists in my line of work. People like you give people like them a bad rap. They aren't true believers! But I would assume they would say the same of us. Besides, you say we attacked innocents, but they worked for the corporations. So wouldn't you also say we helped the world by getting rid of them? Is that your game? You convince yourself that by murdering corporate types and chopping them up that you're helping the world with all this negative karma? Oh, he didn't like that. Clearly, he was not the kind of leader that prepared for people to use simple logic to deconstruct his arguments. Where's the orcs? Now, that was certainly something I didn't like. There's an orc family that's supposed to be staying in your cabin. Where are they? Not a clue. You don't lie well. We know that these cabins are the property of Noratech. Only lower-level executives and their families are allowed access to them. Even extended families. Drag me! I moved toward the bedroom and found one of the figures failing to climb quietly through the shattered bedroom window. His boots on the broken glass sold him out. I leveled my shotgun and fired. Get him, boys! I want him alive! His torment would absolve him of his petulance. So much for stalling him. I activated my wired reflexes and the world slowed down. The man I shot tumbled out the window and onto the snow. I turned back to the hallway to see a man, an orc, head shaved, covered in scars, blood running from his mouth as what appeared to be a foot hung from it. I turned my weapon and fired again. I turned the man's head into hamburger. He dropped dead, his body twitching. I racked another shell home, just as a third man rushed over the body of his dead friend. I fired. The man was fast, though, and the shot only took off his right arm. I dropped the shotgun and drew my pistol. I let off two shots, and the man dies falling just inches from my feet. I retrieved my shotgun and recalled the number of shots I'd taken. I had three left. Damn it, this wasn't good. I contemplated making a break for it. The kids had avoided the slaughter the first time. Surely they'd be safe this time. And the comlink I gave them was a burner, so I didn't have to worry about any of my contacts leaking. At least none connected to my shadowrunning life. If we can't drag you out, then we'll burn you out! Come on! It'll be quicker if you just come out. Piss off! Supreme One. Chopper spotted headed this way. Now watch your town sits the Lone Star. Damn! I thought we cut the external lines. No matter. Our friend must have called the cavalry. Everyone retreat. We've done enough to please the darkness this night. We'll try again another time. Until we meet again, Harold. And as quickly as they came, they vanished. Chills ran down my spine at the mention of my own name. Who was this guy? What was he after? Was my sister and her family on their list? 
I went back to the hatch in the closet and opened it. The two children looked up at me. Did you call the cops? They nodded their heads. Good. I'll be here any minute. Let's, let's get you out of there. House is on fire. And close your eyes once you're up here. Not long after, Lone Star HRT team arrived and cleared the surrounding area. Surviving attackers had vanished into the early morning darkness, and the only traces of them were the dead they left behind. I was questioned, heavily, but ultimately thanked and let go. I released the kids into the hands of the Lone Star guys and returned to my car, thankfully untouched by the bastards. I returned to my cabin, packed my things, and decided against staying another night. I just drove straight home. Wow. That is incredibly terrifying. Did you ever find out who it was that attacked the Thornbergs? I thought to do some research into it, but honestly, Alana, I just wanted to put that night behind me. Those things that I saw, the way those people were, it sickens and angers me, and also makes me afraid. I never saw the man talking to me, and I know I was alone in that stand of trees. I know there was no one around when I reached the cabin, and yet they came in behind me. As an AI, I don't believe I experience fear in the same way you people do. But... I believe I can equate some form of it. So I can say, that would scare me. Anyway, I have to leave for a meeting with my arms dealer. Tell Wolf I'll be back around 2300 to record broadcast then. 10-4 good buddy, read you loud and clear. Another Smokey and the Bandit reference. What the hell? This is Mr. Clean. How did you get this number? <laughs>